You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. I want you to look around at a few people and say, get your edge back. You told the wrong person. Tell somebody else. Tell them, get your edge back. Father, thank you for it. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the tools to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Get your edge back. Say it one more time. Get your edge back. There was a story of this older man and a younger man uh, who were cutting down trees in the forest. Um, the younger man thought that it would be good to challenge the older man. Um, and he said, I want to see which of us can cut down the trees the faster, the fastest, while they were in this forest. They wanted to see who could cut down trees the fastest. So the older man responded and he said, okay, um, you know, I'll go with this challenge. So every time the younger man, uh, the younger man thought he was going far because every time he looked over, he looked over at the older man and the older man was always sitting down on the log. So every time he looked at the old man, he said, oh, yeah, I got this. He's always sitting down and resting because he's old. When he got through cutting down trees, he thought that he would get to the ending before the older man. When he got to the ending of this challenge, the older man was already sitting there and he was packing up his axe. He asked the older man, he said, how did you get here faster than I did? He said, because every time I looked over at you, you were sitting there like you were resting or whatever. He said, how did you get here before me? And the older man responded. He said, every time you thought I was sitting down resting, I was actually sharpening my axe. The older I've gotten, I realize that you have to take time to sit down and sharpen your axe and you'll get further faster. There are a lot of people in this year that you've been swinging, but you've been swinging with a dull axe. A lot of people are in a Samson season where you've been shaking yourself, thinking that you will get the same results that you've always gotten. But the edge that you once had is no longer on you because some of us have been relying on skill set alone and not being still enough to sharpen your axe again. So you wonder why you're not obtaining the victories that you need to obtain in your life. It's because you're trying to get there faster, but actually slower is the new fast. Slower is the new fast. What does that mean? Prayer. Seeking God. There are many people, as I look at this church and as we have, uh, I'm thankful for what God has done for us through seven years, I've seen many people in seven years, almost seven years, many people who start with great zeal and great excitement. Everyone has a resolution. Everyone has something they want to do. And over time, I've seen all the people who started with excitement and a fire eventually start living dull lives. Dull meaning they don't show up the same time they used to show up. Dull meaning the things that they used to do for free, now they want to be paid for. Dull meaning the things and how people used to serve and how people used to serve with excitement and how people used to say, oh, I just can't wait. We're going to do this and we're going to do that and everything. And then all of a sudden, it's not just them that get dull. They surround themselves with dull people too. So dull attracts dull. So then all of a sudden, it's one camera instead of three. All of a sudden, it's some songs instead of all the songs. Sometimes, and then if some people come to prayer instead of all people coming to prayer, it starts to happen over time. I know it's hurting you, and if it hurts you, I know it might hurt you, but God is asking you, how all in are you? Really? Because if your focus was always God, then why have you become dull? What happened, and where did it happen? I just want you to look at someone and say, it's going to get real tight. But this is what God wants me to hear. I know, because someone said to me the other day, they were saying, you know, um, some people think that the job of the pastor is to make everybody shout. That's what some people think. So some people think when I'm not here, 
they think that the shout has left. That's some of that's because of my charisma. I'm a charismatic person. I'm an excited person. And some people say excited. That's me. But you can be excited and not anointed. Don't confuse excitement for anointing. My person, he called me according to my personality. Just because I'm not jumping around and dancing, all this stuff does not mean I'm not anointed. Sometimes the most anointed thing you can do is stand still. Yeah, sometimes it is. And then some people have this thing where well, Pastor Mario's not here, I'm not coming. You're dull. You're dull. Church was off. No, you're dull. Because I cannot be the only person that you hear from. Because if that were true, then you have to rip out some of the pages in the book of the Bible. Because Hosea is just as important as Acts. And Revelation is just as important as Genesis. You don't get to pull out the Bible who you want to hear from. That's called personal personalities and preferences and the people's choice. You do know that there's somewhere in the scripture where the people had a purpose, they had a person they wanted. He was called Saul. That was who the people wanted, but that's not who God wanted. God called somebody who was rough and had an edge to him, but did not look like a king. You have to be careful of looking over people because they don't look like you want them to look. Am I coming hard? Yes, because I got to end this thing right. Because if you really want to be blessed, and this is the part, Mother Higgins, maybe this is my old school way. If you really want to be blessed, your things cannot be better than God's things. I know it's old school. There is not anything that you will see on MJR, meaning Mario J. Rafford, my stuff, my own personal stuff, that will ever be better than Growth Point. As much time as I put on my own stuff, I also put as much time on my own stuff. Half the flyers you see, I designed them because I got tired of waiting on somebody else to have the design or the excitement to do it. Because nobody will be as, in, no one will be as invested in your stuff like you. Somebody say nobody. Nobody. If you're waiting on somebody else to be invested in it, you're going to be waiting because no one else is going to stay awake for your stuff but you. So God is asking, how all in are you? How invested are you into it? This is called the pastor's message. Because can't nobody else preach this but me. So when we look at this particular text, are y'all okay? Y'all all right? Y'all fine? All right, good. I just want to give you a Merry Christmas. All right. So when we look at this scripture, we look at this time, we find in this particular text, and we look and we see that this, this the scene of this text was getting taken place in Bethel or Jericho. Uh, most believe it to be Jericho. And what must be noted is that this place, this is important, I don't know what you miss this, this place was not a place of opulence, grandeur, or splendor. Um, this, this was not some great place. This was a spot of modest means. Um, the students had seen Elijah do great miracles. Um, they had assisted oftentimes in many of the miracles that they saw. Many of these students were, um, but, but even though they were connected to Elijah, they lived modestly. And I will say that because many people believe that where there is a great working of God, there must also be great displays of favor and grandeur and opulence and splendor. We often measure how great God is by how great the platform is. We often measure how great God is by how great the blessing is. We measure how great God is by how great the post is or how great the house is or how great the check is and all these things. But I want to tell you something that just because it's not big doesn't mean it's not God. And just because it's big doesn't mean it's better. There are many people who are after the big, but that doesn't mean you're better. Bigness does not always mean more God. More following does not mean more God and more influence. The same God who is of the big things is also the God of the small things. 
That's why Zechariah says, do not despise small beginnings. Someone say it's the same God. He's the same God over all. If you're in a big season, praise him. If you're in a low season, praise him. The God of the mountain is the same God of the valley. Don't get to the point that your praise is only predicated on big things. That's why I wanted to celebrate, yes, Lord, thank you, that we were able to do um, 3,000 on the van. That's a small thing, but you want to thank God for that because one day I'm going to get up in front of y'all and say, hey, we donated 3 million to all these different things all over the world. Y'all don't want to praise God. Y'all don't want to shout on those type of things, but you got to shout over the 3,000 before God trusts you with the 3 million. It's the same God. He has not changed. I praise God over everything. Everything that has happened in this church for seven years, I praise God for the valleys. I praise God for the mountains because it has made me a better person. I can't just thank God for the faithful people. I have to thank God for the inconsistent people too because he keeps me having a prayer life. You have to thank God for all things. Someone say thank him for all things. So here this scene, we find this, and I'm trying to teach and trying to preach and treat you in and all that type of stuff. But this scene lets us know that the ministry and influence of Elijah has grown and attracted students. Now, we understand, those of you who know the story or may not know the story, but some of the background, some of these students were from his predecessor, Elijah. Um, these were not just students that were from him. Some of them he inherited, but they were connected to him for instruction, covering, and prayer. Um, it's important to know that you will always know the level of your influence by what you attract. Say it one more time. You will always know the level of your influence by what you attract. Be very aware of what you're putting out because that is often what you are attracting to yourself. Be very aware of the, the vibes. Uh, the, be very careful of what you entertain. Because what you're entertaining and what you're putting out is often what you're getting back. But these students saw something in Elijah that they wanted to glean from and get connected to. They had grown, but the point was that they had grown to the point, Sterling, where they needed more room. Expansion, like the ministry was growing so much that they needed room. They needed room to grow. Uh, they, didn't room, they didn't want room to show off. They didn't want it room to expand, meaning they wanted more room so that they could have more people that can get in and get this teaching. That they had outgrown the spot that they had been in and they needed more space. Now, the thing is, needing more space is good, but the problem is that they weren't wealthy. And they didn't have access to workers to help them build. They needed more space, but they didn't have the resources that they need to do that. I'm going to say that again. They needed more space, but they didn't have the resources that they need to provide the space that they needed. I'm going to say it one more time. They had outgrown where they were. They needed more space, but they didn't have the resources. I'm going to say it one more time for all of us who took 09900 classes. Uh, we, they, they needed more space. They had outgrown where they were, but they didn't have the resources. I don't know if there's anybody in the room that can say, I need more, but I don't have the resources. I, maybe it's not you, but I've been in that season a long time where you need more, you see more, you envision more, but you don't have what you need. And that's what was going on. They didn't need. And I want to say this to help everybody. They were anointed. But they had limited resources. Say that, say that for somebody. Faith, you can be anointed and limited at the same time. Oh, Lord Jesus. You can be anointed and limited. Some people think that anointed means opulence. Sometimes you can be anointed and limited, and we don't always talk about that. But sometimes you can have an anointing to function and be limited at the same time. You can have anointing to function and operate, but be limited in some areas so that you don't forget to depend on God. Has there anybody, have you ever left a great victory and went home looking at your limitations? Have you ever helped somebody else under the anointing, but looked at your own finances and saw limitations? Yeah. So that's what was happening, that they were anointed to do service. They were anointed to work, but they had their own limitations. And there are things in life that remind you that if it wasn't for the grace of God, all of us could be another statistic. Yeah. 
all of us not just the anointing i need but i need his grace i might be limited in some areas but i'm still anointed i might be limited but i'm still called i might be limited but he still wants to use me i want somebody to say but i'm still just say but i'm still I got state I got limitations, but I'm still. And that's important that you don't ever allow your limitations to cancel out the but I'm still. I might have limitations in this area, but I'm still. I'm grieving, but I'm still holding on. I'm going through, but I still believe God. I'm crying, but I still believe his word. It's been a hard season, but I still believe seasons change. I lost some people, but I believe God is still a God of addition, multiplication, subtraction, and division. I still believe God. Someone say, but I still, but I still. And that's what you need to hold on to, that no matter what season you're in, don't let your limitations limit you. Don't allow limitations in your life to limit your belief or limit your faith. And that's what was happening. He said they were still called and because of the call, they needed to do something. They, but this is what's important, Pastor Guillaume. They were limited, Jason, but they were industrious. I want you to miss that. Kia, I don't want you to miss that at all. That thing almost shouted me. They were limited but industrious. They said, we don't have no room. They said, but it's okay. We're going to cut down some trees ourselves. Do you know when you don't have one thing, it teaches you how to be creative in another thing? When you don't, when they tell you no in one area, you learn how to. There was one lady that I interviewed in my podcast a while ago. She said, I created a door because I couldn't find one. There are seasons in your life that you became what you are because of nothing. There was no supplies. There was no opportunity for you. There was no government funding. There was no resources. There was no, is there anybody in the room who was not born with a silver spoon in your life and you look back over your life and you didn't get the degree because you were smart, but because God gave you a tutor, because God caused you to stay up all night and you learned how to go to Starbucks only because you needed caffeine, not because you liked the book and not because you had a book, but because you told somebody your family I'm going to be the first one to graduate in my house I'm going to be the first one to graduate in my lineage is there anybody who learned how to create with limitations <laughs> they said I'm gonna learn how to be industrious you won't give me something I'll find a way and that's what happened to these people they said they find them they found a way and there comes a point in your life that you got to learn how to find a way at some point in your life you've got to have a made-up mind that whether you help me or not i'm gonna get it done you got to get to a point in your life whether you support me or not i'm still gonna grow whether you be my friend or not i'm still gonna keep moving whether you talk about me or not i made up in my mind that at this season in my life i ain't waiting on nobody else i won't wait on your resources because half the people who said they're gonna support me never did so i learned how to support myself i learned how to clap for myself i learned how to iron my own clothes i learned how to cook my own dinner i learned how to date myself i learned how to go to the movies by myself and enjoy my own company so when somebody else comes in my life i say i enjoy my space don't come up in here messing it up somebody say i learned on my own you learn how to be industrious when somebody tells you they don't have nothing for you and they have no resources they made up in their mind that we're going to build. And I want somebody to holler out, I'm going to build. Somebody holler out, I'm going to find a way. And I want to prophesy to everybody right now, if you make up your mind, God has already made up his. If you make up your mind, God has already made up his. He's not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. But you got to make up your mind that you are not going to put snooze another day on your dreams. You're not going to put snooze another day on your vision. I wish there's anybody who would receive this word. God is not waiting on a grant. He's waiting on you to grant him permission for him to bless you but he's waiting on you to get over yourself and say I made up in my mind that no does not mean no it just means not yet and I have learned that delay does not mean deny and I have made up my mind I'm going to find a way somebody holler at your boy and say find a way made up my mind made up my mind but this is what's important, Pastor Guillaume. This is what really blessed me, Mel, is that not only were they industrious, which means there was some bit of ambition in them because they said, we're going to find a way to get this done. But not only that, it says they went on. They said, we're going to build. We're going we're gonna to cut down some trees. That's what we got to do. We ain't going to wait on them because you do know that at that time, prophets weren't celebrities. 
I know that's hard for many of you all to know in this day and time where preachers are celebrities. But at that time, preachers were not celebrities. What that means was sometimes preachers came and they gave a word like this that wasn't so easy to go down. A lot of times we follow people that we like because they give us things we like. But sometimes preaching does not, it's not easy, and sometimes you have to preach a hard word. For those of you who are parents, you know how that feels when you have to have a hard conversation. It's not that you don't love your child, but you love them enough to not let them stay where they are. So you have to have sometimes a hard conversation. Is there anybody like that who loves somebody, and you, you say what your parents said that you said you never say, and you said words like, this hurts me more than it hurts you? Anybody ever said things like that? And I didn't understand it when I was growing up. My parents said that lied to me, that hurts me more. I said, it ain't hurting you, and you ain't crying. But now I understand because sometimes you want more for the person than they want for themselves. So sometimes it hurting you more than it hurts them. It's saying it hurts me because I'm saying words to you that you're not yet ready to understand or comprehend. So sometimes I'm saying things to you that might not catch up to you for five more years. So it's hurting me because I have to learn patience while you grow. It hurts me because I have to learn endurance while you're still working out some things in your life. Can we just thank God for being patient with us? Can we thank God that he gave us a word 20 years ago and you just now walking in it? He delivered you 15 years ago and you just now decided to be delivered. He already snatched you out of it, but you kept going back to visit it. But he kept waking you up and giving you another chance. Can you thank God for his patience? Yeah. So that's what happened. So they were industrious, but they said, they said, they said to their teacher, they said to their leader, they said, and I hope this is helping you, they said to him, they said, we want to build, Brad, but we don't want to build without you. I want you to miss this word, bless me. He said, I want, we want to build. We know we need more space, but Elijah, we can't build without you. They wanted to build, but they said, we got to include our teacher. We got to include our spiritual father in this. This is important because they had expertise, but they didn't have experience. They had talent, but they didn't have credibility. <laughs> they had a greater skill set possibly than Elijah, but they didn't have accountability yet. I have met more gifted people who don't want to be submitted to anybody. Oh, it got so quiet in this Episcopalian church. I have learned and met more people who are skilled, talented, creative, and everything, but have no accountability at all. These people said, we want to build, we want to grow, but not at the expense of doing it on my own. Ex expertise can never replace experience. Expertise can never replace experience. I wish y'all knew how y'all were looking at me right now on the tone of your mask. They were not so ambitious that they wanted to grow without the relationship of their teacher. They had no desire to move forward without including their leader. Let me tell you something. We must be careful of thinking we can outgrow everyone who's taught us something. I might need to go back on vacation. We must be careful of thinking we can outgrow everyone who's taught us. There are some people in my life who have influenced my life, but I will never get so grown that I don't value their voice or their presence. Mario Jamil Rafford might have great ideas and I might have great approaches to things that are different from my teachers and my mentors. I might dress differently than they dress. I might have called my church or our church or God's church a non-denominational church when they chose to, they chose to stay in a particular denomination. But Mario Jamil Radford is never too grown. He is not that anointed. He is not that creative. He is not that ambitious. He is not that great. And he is not that wonderful to be corrected. To submit. 
to listen and to be critiqued. So if your pastor is not that wonderful, why are you, boo? If he can be pulled in, if somebody can tell me you stink, if somebody can tell you that message was not great, if somebody can look at myself and say, hey, you might want to edit that. You put the wrong word and that was not the right word and all that type of stuff. Then why do we think that we're so wonderful and we're so great and we're so anointed and we're so skilled that nobody can teach us anything? Why? I still say no, ma'am, and no, sir. I still say yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and yes, and no, ma'am. I still say it. I say, still say Mr. and Mrs. I still say Pastor so-and-so, or Bishop so-and-so, or Mr. so-and-so, or Evangelist so-and-so, or Sister so-and-so. And all of you keep calling, oh, that's my girl, that's my girl. And because that's your girl, you don't respect the call on their life. When I grew up, you couldn't even walk across the pulpit. Some parent would snatch your throat. Get down off of there. When I was growing up, the deacons would stand up and start the service in devotion. When I was growing up, we had all these types of things, and the children had to sit in the front row. We used to call it the morning spins, but the children had to sit in the front row, and in order for the child to not talk, they would give you some old wrinkled up candy. Some peppermints had been sitting in their purse for 13 years. Come on, Mr. Doris, you know what I'm talking about. And they would give it to you for you to eat that candy. And then if you had the nerve to go to sleep, your mama had a Holy Ghost pinch. Where she would grab the meat of your thigh and twist it ever so gently and dare you to cry about it. Now we're in a time where everything is so casual, nothing is sacred. The word's not sacred because while the word's being preached, I'm on Snapchat, I'm on Instagram, I'm snapping people, I'm Instagram, I'm doing my own TikTok in a pew. But the same people who don't respect the sacred want the sacred when you're in trouble. When I'm going through, give me the sacred. But you live secular, but you want the sacred. You can't call for help and not live in the help. I cannot be so great. Oh, Jesus, this help me, Lord, please, because somebody's going to have to start my car so I can go back to Nicholasville. I cannot be so great. I cannot be so wonderful that I get to the point where I'm without correction, where nobody can teach me anything. These people said we want to build, but we got to have our teacher around. I can only go so far without a father. I can only go so far without a teacher. I can only go so far without a mentor. I can only go so far without somebody, a, pa a pastor, a counselor. I want to build and I want to grow, but Lord, teach me how to grow and still honor what was before me. Before you change it, you got to respect it. Everybody wants a seat at the table. But you can't get to the table if you don't respect why the table was there in the first place. I know that there are people, I don't like this and I don't like that, but do you understand why they did what you, they did first before you try to change it? No, I don't do certain things certain ways, but I understand why they did it. And I respect it. Before you try to change something, respect it. Before you tell somebody how to parent, can you respect the fact that you don't have a child? Lord, Brad, come preach this message for me. It's not going well. I cannot tell you. That's why it's very important at funerals. I don't get up and say stuff I know how you feel. Because I don't. You lost your child for that situation we were talking about earlier. I can't get up and say I know what you feel. I don't know what you feel. But I know God. And I do know he is a present help. That's what I know. I'm not going to get up and tell you how you feel. And we have messed up more people by telling them we know how they feel and you don't know how people feel. You cannot counsel yourself. 
Lord, help me. So they said to him, I know y'all didn't see all this in this text, but I'm trying to help you. They said to him, they said, we see, they said, we want to build, but we don't want to build without a mentor. Now, this was the part, this is the part I got to get out of here. I'm too long, Guillaume, stop me. This is the part. As the students were cutting, the student said, this one student was cutting. We don't know what the student's name was. I don't know what his name was. It doesn't say what his name was. The student was cutting, but as he was cutting, the axe head fell off. Because sometimes when you've never had an opportunity, when you get one, you swing too hard. Sometimes when you never had a chance, when you get a chance, you try to show off just because you got a chance. So because now you got an opportunity, you want to show how great you are. So you swing too hard. And what happens is, if you're not careful, you miss the opportunity that you had to try to impress people who don't care about you anyway. So he swung too hard and caused the axe head to fly off. But instead of leaving the scene, Brad, instead of leaving the scene, he cried for help. He cried out. He said, Master. He cried out. And that's why I want to tell some of you. If something goes wrong in 2022, cry out. Can we practice that out loud? Say it together. If something goes wrong in 2022, cry out. Say it again. If something goes wrong today, cry out. If something goes wrong tomorrow, cry out. And if anybody asks you what's wrong with you, say, I'm crying out because I need help. The person didn't get caught up in the fact that he swung too hard. He said, I swung too hard, but I understand I'm connected to the person who can help me. He didn't cry out because he needed help. He cried it out, Gil, because he wanted his edge back. Jesus. That's why he cried out. He didn't cry out because he was just in a helpless situation. He cried out because he needed his edge. And I want to know, is there anybody in the room who's ready to cry out because you're tired of swinging with no edge? Tired of living with no edge. Tired of singing with no edge. Tired of walking around with no edge. Tired of having all these type of businesses but ain't got no edge. Is there anybody who's ready to cry out and to say, I want my edge back? Somebody holler out and say, I want my edge back. Your edges look better than your edge. Don't have better edges than you have an edge. I want my edges right. I want my edge. I want my edge. Someone say, I want my edge. And before you go into 22, God is asking you, how bad do you want it? He's asking all of us, including me, because I'm telling you, church, and this is why I'm preaching to myself, too. If you're not careful, help me, Jesus. Help me to say it right. If you're not careful, you will allow the no-edge people in your life to make you dull like them. If you're not careful, you will surround yourself with people who are okay living with no edge. But God has given you an edge anointing. And you will succumb to people who don't want to change, who want to stay the way they are, who like it the way they are. They don't want church to change. They don't want God to change. They don't want their dreams to change. They want it the same way they want it. And you keep trying to change people who don't even want to edge. And before you know it, you start to lower your expectations. And before you know it, you start to stop dreaming. And you stop praying and you start praising because you're around dull people. But I want somebody to holler out one more time. I want my edge back. He wanted it back. And he asked, he said, how do, in this space, he said, I want it back. But the question is, how do I get it back? And got to end here. As any great teacher does, Elijah teaches the student how to get his edge back. Because Elijah is not just a prophet who works miracles, but he's also a teacher. I want to tell you, make sure your leaders are ambidextrous. I know it's a big word for people. Maybe it's your word for the week. What does ambidextrous mean? It means they know how to do more than one thing. 
don't connect to a pastor that all they know how to do is hoop. Don't connect to a pastor who's talking to you about an offering and they broke. Don't connect to a pastor that wants to talk to you about their marriage, but they don't want to fix their own. Don't get quiet in the Lord's church. Don't, we don't need, I don't need hype pastors in 2022. I need somebody who's going to walk with me and teach me. Don't tell me to get delivered, and when I choose to be delivered, you can't be found. Don't tell me to change, and when it's time for me to change, you can't be found. I need somebody who might not be able to help me, but knows how to point me in the direction where help is. Somebody say, get your edge back. I'm grieving. Where's the grief group? I'm tired of living a homosexual life. Where's the group that shows me what to do now? Because I feel odd in my own body. And I don't know what to do. And I've been to every altar call and ain't nobody walking me through this thing. Give me a church that doesn't stick me in the choir. Give me a church that doesn't tell me I'm supposed to be an evangelist. How can I be an evangelist and I don't even talk to my own children? Somebody teach me how to do basic stuff like credit repair. Y'all want a real church? So Elijah was not just one who was a miracle worker. He was one who said, I'm going to teach you how to do it too. Elijah says, in essence, you want your edge back? This is how. So how do you get your edge back? Someone say, how do you get it back? I'm through. Give me five minutes. I'm done. First thing. All of that was introduction. <laughs> I hope it bless you. <laughs> how can I get my edge back? First, acknowledge the truth. What's the truth? The truth is it's borrowed. It ain't even my edge. Whew, Jesus. <laughs> it ain't even mine. Because I was too broke to find my own edge. I couldn't even afford to help myself. But God sent somebody in my life who supported the ministry for me. God sent someone in my life who let me borrow it until I got my own. Can we take a moment to thank God for borrowed things? I had borrowed time. I had borrowed access. I had borrowed money. And somebody gave me an opportunity that I didn't even deserve. I couldn't even afford it on my own. I didn't even deserve the job. But someone borrowed their credit for me to establish my own credit. Someone borrowed their own opportunity to allow me to have an opportunity. And I want to thank God for borrowed space. Oh, come here, Jesus. Even Jesus used borrowed space. He only needed a tomb for three days, Elizabeth. He said, in three days, I'm going to give it back. Can somebody thank God for borrowed space? He said, truth is, it ain't even mine. And I would go home, Dr. Nance, if it was mine. But I respect somebody else's things. Dr. Emanuel, I think everybody should have a doctor degree today. I'm going to call everybody Dr. So-and-so. That's what we do in church anyway. Dr. Guillaume. All that type of stuff. Come here, doc. But let me tell you something. You learn who you are by knowing how you treat other people's stuff. Sarah, you find out who you are, not by how you handle your stuff, but how you treat my stuff. How you treat my time, how you treat my phone call, how you treat me, how you treat my wife, how you treat my children, how you treat God's church, how you treat his money, how you treat his breath. You learn how you respect stuff by what you do. That's how you learn. But he found, he found out, Elijah looked at him and said, oh, you're really serious about this. Because he didn't just say, oh, it's somebody else's, ain't it? <laughs> That's what we do. We break other people's stuff and walk off like we didn't do it. Pastors mess up people's life and then close the church like they didn't do it. People do stuff and mess with people and mess up people's lives and mess up their finances and mess up relationships and act like they were not the one who did it. But I want to know is there anybody in the world who said, I respect you like I respect myself. That's why I treat you the way I treat you because I respect me, so I'm definitely going to respect you. Come here, guys. Someone said, put some respect on my name. Shoot. <laughs> truth is sister lot is not my stuff but at some point I got to learn how to celebrate somebody else's stuff teacher teacher though couldn't let him stay at borrowed spot though he said I teach you how to get your edge back so the man of God said where did it fall because the truth is it's borrowed 
He said, but where did it fall? Because the next thing, if you're going to get your edge back, not only do you need to tell the truth and knowledge the truth, but you got to make an assessment. Where did it fall? Where? Like, where, where, where did it happen? Like, where exactly is the spot that you borrowed it? You called. It was borrowed. The axe head fell. But where did it happen? Let's make a real assessment. Because some people want to shout but not assess. Every year around this time, I make an assessment. What things are we doing right? What things do we need to stop doing? What things are we pretending that work that are not working? What people who are holding roles but are not serving in those roles? They're holding titles but not operating in any function. Assess it. How well are we really doing? And that's what you have to do. That's what businesses do all the time. That's what iPhone does all the time. That's so why it's iPhone 13 now because they assess. And they try to see what do we need to change? What do we need to do? So I'm asking, if iPhone can do it, why don't we? If they can change, I'm sorry, Android, I'm sure y'all do stuff too, but I just know about, I just know about my church. I don't know about your church, but over here in the cloud, we have updates, but I want to know if they update stuff, why don't we make an assessment? Someone say, make an assessment. I'm almost through. After he did that, the next point is he said, where did it, where did it happen? Where did it fall? And then it says, then he showed him the place. Where did it fall? Show him the place, which is where you then have to accept personal responsibility. It's one thing to make an assessment, but can you take responsibility for the assessment that you make? We are often great at making assessment, but we're not so great at taking responsibility. You can point to the place. I know where it happened. I know how it happened. I can tell you who made it happen. I can tell you how long ago it happened. I can tell you what I was doing when it happened. We got the story down. All of us do. But the teacher is asking, can you take me to the place where it happened? Like, it's one thing for you to know what happened, but I'm asking you, Faith, can you talk about it yet? Because whatever you don't confront can't change. Is this too much? If you don't confront it, God can't change it. He says, take me to the place where it happened. He had to accept responsibility. He couldn't just say it was borrowed. He said, well, that's the truth. He said, well, where did it, where, what happened to it? He went, flew over there. He said, can you take me to that place? Yeah, take me to the place. He can't heal what he doesn't know about. I was watching The Shack the other day, and uh, oh, that's a great movie. And part of the scene, uh, they were asking him a question. And they said to him, he asked him, he said, don't you know what I'm going to say before I say it? He's talking to God. And they said, yes, but we love to hear it from you. It's not that God doesn't know what you're going through, but he sure loves to hear it from your own mouth. Because when you tell him where it hurts, he says, I was just waiting on you to say it. So after that, he told him where it happened. Last point, he cut off the stick threw it in there, and made the iron float. I'm through, musicians. And he said, take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. This is the last part. He threw it out, all that stuff. He threw it out. He did all that he said. He said, throw it. He threw it. He cut off a new stick. The prophet cut out a new stick, threw it in the water. And when he threw it in the water, the axe head came up. And then he said, now go in there and get it. The last point is, you got to participate in the results. God's not going to do what you can do. He'll do what he does, but you got to participate too. Someone say participation. Someone say participation. You got to participate in the activity. You can't sit back and just shout about the miracle that you didn't participate in. I want God to heal me, but I don't want to change my eating habits. That don't happen. You got to participate in the whole thing. Someone say participate. He cut down the stick, threw it in the river. The axe head was first at the bottom of the riverbed. But when he threw in the stick, the axe head rose up. I don't want you to miss this part. The miracle wasn't in the stick. He didn't throw the stick. Hold on, don't miss this. Woo, I wish I had more time. He didn't throw the stick in to meet the axe head. 
but the axe head met the stick. Stop throwing stuff down to where it, <laughs> stop throwing stuff down to the mud. He didn't throw the stick down to go down. When he threw the stick in, what was down came up. How can I explain this? He didn't, this is the part, Sterling, I'm trying to teach this. He didn't even ask the man for his old stick. He cut out a new stick. It said, I'm going to do a new thing with an old axe head. He threw the stick in the water, and when he threw it in, the old thing rose up to the new thing. There is a season that God is trying to take you into that you don't have to stay in the mud. God has thrown in a word to you that if you submit to the word, what you're in will rise up to meet him. You don't have to cling where he's going to rise. <laughs> the prophet did not use an old thing. He used a new stick to resurrect something that was at the bottom. When one season is over, don't cry over what's not there. Look for what's next. The prophet showed, musicians, I think I called y'all 10 minutes ago. The prophet showed that God can take what was. And attach it to what can be. Some of you are saying my edge is at the bottom. Good. But the stick is at the top. What's the stick? The stick is his anointing. His glory. His favor. What that means is he can throw in anything to raise you up. Is there anybody in the room who can say I was at the bottom? But now I'm here. I was started there. I was muddy. It seemed like it was. But had he not threw in a lifeline, I would not have ever risen up from that. He will raise you up if you want to be raised up. But you got to participate. Because once it rose up, he said, go get the stick. If you want your edge back, go get it. If you really want it back, go get it. Someone said, go get it. If you really want to be effective, go get it. Why did he want him to go get it? Because he had another swing in him. Why did he have to go get his edge back? Because just because the axe, axe head fell doesn't mean I'm through swinging. And I want to know, is there anybody in the room who's got another swing left in you? Who's got something else that God has decided is placed in your life? I want somebody to holler, I got another swing. I got another swing. Somebody holler, I got another swing. I'm not through because it's at the bottom. I got another swing in me. And this time, I'm not going to swing dull. I'm going to swing with my edge. I'm going to dream with my edge. I'm going to sing with the edge. I don't want no dull church. I don't want a dull life. Heck, Dr. Ned, I don't even like watching dull movies. Give me something unpredictable. And that's what's wrong with a lot of us. We want the God we can predict. I don't want the God that I can predict. God, give me an edge. Give me an edge to swing against this devil. Give me an edge to swing against this thing that's trying to grip me. Give me an edge against these generational curses. Give me an edge about this debt. Give me an edge about these demons and things that are trying to plague my life. I need an edge. And if I'm going to get my edge back, I got to go get it. Everybody stand to your feet all over the room. Well, I know is there anybody in the room who's ready, really, to get your edge back? Because if you're ready to get your edge back, God is requiring you to go get it. What does that mean? It fell, but it didn't have to stay at the bottom. It did fall. Flew out of my hand. I swung too hard. I didn't respect what I had. I don't know. But it fell. But it's my responsibility to go get it. I might have to inconvenience myself to get back something that belongs to me. Can your prayer life be edgy again? Can your worship be edgy? I'm asking this. God is asking this because we've been dull long enough. Don't you really want to have victories that are not temporary?
I don't want half victory. I want total victory. And I'm asking you, are you ready to get your edge back? Is anybody in the room who can, you can admit that you've been a little dull? You can admit it. You got to take personal responsibility. I admit I've been dull. And I'm ready to get my edge back. If, if, if that's you, will you raise your hand all over the room? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes when my edge is dull, it's hard for me to shout when I know my life is dull. You can perform for people. But when your private life is dull, eventually it'll catch up to you. I want you, I want you church, I want you to have your edge back. I don't want you to keep swinging and not getting it. No, no. But in order for you to get your edge back, you're going to have to sit still. Listen. When God brings you in, when God corrects you, when God... Listen. Be still and know he's God. He won't give you an edge if he doesn't want you to use it. <laughs> he doesn't give you an edge if he doesn't want you to use it. Thank you, Jesus. Father, let me lift your hands all over the room. Father, I pray for your people, Lord. This is your word. You gave it to me. I don't know what you want to do with it. I don't know what you're going to do from it from here. I pray that I've been as obedient as you wanted me to be. Lord, I do pray that I have been. Father, as we take time this week to assess, take personal responsibility, to tell the truth, Lord, move us from those three points to start participating. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.